The Holy Gospel according to Mark, the sixth chapter. Mark writes, Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up on a mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. He meant to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased. And they were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. When they had crossed over, they came to a land of Gennesaret and moored to the shore. And when they got out of the boat, the people immediately recognized him and ran about the whole region and began to bring the sick people on their beds to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he came in villages, cities, or countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and implored him that they might touch even a fringe of his garment. And as many as touched it were made well. This is the gospel of our Lord. Please be seated. Dear saints, the Holy Gospel in the three-year lectionary comes to us this week from the book of Mark. A great account of Jesus walking on the water. Perhaps, though, it would be best to put this miracle into context. As I'm sure many of you have heard me state that it is important to read the scriptures contextually, allowing scripture to define scripture. This account appears in three of the Gospels, Mark 6, Matthew 14, and John 6. However, what happens just previous to this is also written about in the book of Luke, chapter 9. It is the only miracle performed by Jesus that is proclaimed in all four of the Gospels, and it is the feeding of the 5,000. It certainly is significant, and it adds context to today's Gospel. And for that, please allow me to read the account, and I'll do so from the Gospel of John, the sixth chapter. Now John writes, After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him, because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on a mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. 
Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus says to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. And now there was much grass in this place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and they filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across to the Sea of Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near their boat. And they were frightened. But he says to them, It is I. Do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat. And immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. This is the gospel of our Lord. Dear saints, you see what happens just prior to the miracle of Jesus walking on the water is an important sign and it gives context. The energy of the crowd was building. The buzz and bustle of the crowd intensified. There were people everywhere. The Passover festival was near. The great celebration God had commended his people to observe throughout the generations, commemorating his rescue of them from slavery in Egypt when he passed over their homes marked with the blood of a sacrificed lamb before dividing the Red Sea and leading them safely through it, then bringing the waters back together to drown the pursuing Egyptian armies. And so masses of people were making their annual trek, their pilgrimage to Jerusalem. What a great time for Jesus to 
perform his miraculous powers, to put them on display. Such a great crowd had followed him after they had witnessed his miracles that there were now people everywhere on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. There were so many that Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples to claim some private space. But when he looked up, he saw still more people coming. There were thousands of them, 5,000 in fact, not even counting the women and the children. What were they going to do? So Jesus, he, he asks Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Jesus asks Philip this to test him. Straight away, Philip thinks in terms of monetary cost. Well, it would take more than a half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have just a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, he chirps in, well, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Both think in human terms of how they might resource the crowd. Philip by going to buy bread that they don't have with money that they don't have. And Andrew by looking for what they might be able to scrounge up from the people among them. Of course, neither option will do anything for 5,000 plus people. So the disciples look to what they don't have and won't have. It would take more than a half year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. How far will five small barley loaves and two small fish go among so many? The disciples are fully aware of their inability to do what is needed, but they have not looked to the greatest resource that they already have. Jesus sought to test them because he already knew what he was going to do. In his explanation to the petitions of the Lord's Prayer, Martin Luther says, the good and gracious will of God is surely done without our prayer. Jesus already knows what the crowd needs, that they need feeding. And so even before they have asked for it, the people are fed. God Almighty, who clothed the earth with grass, sits on the grass there on the mountainside. He takes the loaves, he give, gives thanks, and he distributed as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. They all had plenty and were no longer hungry. And when they had enough to eat, Jesus told his disciples to gather the pieces that were left. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered the leftovers and filled 12 baskets. At the heart of his miracle is the proclamation of who Jesus is. Even the 12 basketfuls of leftovers point to Jesus's identity that he is God of the 12 tribes of Israel from the old and the fulfillment to their hope for a Messiah. It is so ironic that this occurs near the time of the Passover festival. The remembrance of God's saving 
help and redemption of his people who trusted in his promise and painted their doorposts with the blood of a sacrificial lamb. Now God's kingdom has come and he is present with all his saving power and compassion, compassionate help in Christ. The Passover lamb who would later be sacrificed for the world to bring salvation from the enemies of sin, death, and the devil. But the people, they have not understood what lies at the heart of Jesus' miraculous meal. In his explanation to the fourth petition of the Lord's Prayer, Luther says, God gives daily bread, even without our prayer, to all people, though sinful, but we, ask, but we ask in this prayer that he will help us to realize this and to receive our daily bread with thanks. The point that is lost on the people is that God has fed them with five small loaves and two small fish. And after he has fed them, they haven't even gave him thanks. They think Jesus is a prophet. The savior they think him to be is a political liberator. And now they want to make him their king by force to free them from the hated Romans. So Jesus wanting no part of doing their will and making a king according to their agendas. Well, he withdrew to a mountain to be by himself. For he is the king from heaven sent by his father to do God's will. To be the king from heaven and come into this world to rule with divine grace and favor. Freeing humanity from the claims of sin. Nonetheless, a political storm is most definitely brewing. And before long, the people, well, they would crown him with thorns as the king of the Jews. Now, here is where we pick up with today's gospel from Mark. And with a sudden change of scene, the scriptures tell us that there is a literal storm brewing. It is evening and the pressing crowds have gone and Jesus, Jesus's disciples are in a boat setting off across the Sea of Tiberias. We hear that it is evening and Jesus had not yet joined them. There is a rising sense of awaiting danger. It is dark. A strong wind blows. The waters are turbulent and they're exposed in their little boat. In Jewish theology, the powers of evil were sometimes represented as watery chaos. Even in the Genesis creation account, there is something of that thought as the spirit of God hovers over the surface of the dark, unrestrained deep. When the disciples had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus approaching them, walking on the water. God, who once rescued his Passover people by parting the Red Sea, now walks on that sea. There is an intentional message about Jesus's authority and power here as the gospels portray him 
effortlessly trampling chaos and evil underfoot. Again, doing for humans what is impossible for humans to do. And the sight of him, the disciples, they were frightened. And John says, terrified. But Jesus reveals his agenda of peace to them, speaking words of calm in the midst of turbulence. It is I. Do not be afraid. So that at his voice, the disciples recognize him and take him into their boat, and they immediately reach their destination, and the seas are calmed. As we listen to both Mark and John's presentations of who Jesus is and how he rules in grace and mercy, we are ushered to sit on the grassy mountainside and see the pressing crowds and with them the awareness of the hunger of the hurting world, a hunger for so much more than just food. And as we wonder how the little things that we have could possibly make any kind of meaningful difference, Jesus shows us that we are part of his answer to prayer for daily bread. As a husband or a wife, a sibling or a parent, a grandparent or a godparent, as a member of this congregation, as a neighbor to our neighbors, you are the people of God's holy priesthood that he uses to bring the daily bread to others in need in the storms of their lives. A caring word, a prayer, a meal, some clothing, a ride, a phone call, or a text, a visit in the hospital, or maybe just collecting somebody's mail. On a human level, it seems pretty insignificant, but it's not unimportant to God or the person to whom you are serving. It is no coincidence that John mentions that it was just a boy who had five loaves, five small loaves and barley loaves at that, the most basic of bread and two small fish. What good could a child possibly do with the contents of his lunchbox? Well, I'll tell you, plenty. Plenty with Jesus working through him. And so it is with you. We might think that we are hopelessly inadequate to be used by God for his purposes. We might think that the little that we have is too little or that we couldn't possibly make a difference. And our five loaves and two fish wouldn't even make a ripple in the vast ocean of human need. But let's not focus on what we don't have. Let us focus on what we do have. We have Christ, the great I am, the, the one walking on the water, proclaiming it is I, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, who multiplied five loaves and two fish to feed the multitudes. Jesus shows us that nobody is insignificant in his mission, the mission of God's kingdom. Old, young, rich, poor, healthy, or frail. Gather 
the leftovers. Let nothing be wasted. Nothing is ever wasted of what you do in God's name. As you offer it in love, empathy, and compassion, as you witness to God who is himself loving and giving so much so that he gave his one and only son to lay down his life on the cross to purchase forgiveness, righteousness, and salvation for life of this world and for you. As we listen to John's presentation of who Jesus is and how he rules in grace, we are also taken into the boat with the disciples. We know all too well that a dark and turbulent world rages around us. We are all lashed by the storms of life of one kind or another and familiar with the turbulent waters of anxiety in our troubled hearts, resulting from problems and burdens, well, that are common to all of humanity. At those times when it is impossible to see a way out of the situation at hand, rejoice. Rejoice that for God all things are possible and he will give us our daily bread. The daily bread that we need for each day. We are most definitely beggars. Praying to him, give us this day our daily bread. And Martin Luther so beautifully explains the fourth petition of the Lord's Prayer to us in his small catechism. Give us today our daily bread. What does this mean? God certainly gives daily bread to everyone, everyone without our prayers, even to all evil people. But pray in this petition that God would lead us to realize this and to receive our daily bread with thanksgiving. He goes on to explain what is meant by daily bread. Daily bread includes everything that has to do with the support and needs of the human, such as, such as food, drink, clothing, shoes, house, home, and land, animals, money, a good devout husband or wife, a devout family, devout workers, devout and faithful rulers, good government, good weather, peace, health, self-control, good reputation, good friends and faithful neighbors alike. Isn't it great? And I truly love Luther's works and the small catechism and most likely this book, the small catechism, I use second only to my Bible. Dear saints, when we come to realize that Jesus is our only help, our everything, our daily bread, rejoice. Rejoice in Christ, in his mercy and grace, in his provisions, that the kingdom of God reigns here again today and God's will is done as Jesus comes to give us what we need, even when we may not know what that is. As Jesus is present with us here again today, take heart from his words in the gospel. It is I. 
do not be afraid. He is the great I am and provides for all of our needs. He uses us, you and I, as neighbors to simply bring the loaves and the fish to walk with him on his mission. May that give you peace, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Just like the uncomprehendable sign, the miracle portrayed in all four of the Gospels, the feeding of the five thousand. May it guard your hearts and your minds through Jesus Christ, our Lord. His mercy endures forever. Amen.